0: So, um, a man by the name of Ira Griffith Yates, Jr., uh, he lived from 1859 to 1939. He grew up <clears throat> in a cattle ranching family, but found himself in the grocery business in West Texas, and uh, he traded his surprisingly successful grocery and sundry store for 16,640 acres of land in the river ranch area of Pecos County, Texas, just below Midland, in June of 1915. Since he had more experience in ranching than he did as being a grocer, he he welcomed the trade, uh, paying around sixteen thousand dollars more for the land than it was actually worth. Um, he he did herding. Uh, he sold and car- carried cattle for, for a bunch of work. And, but during that time, there were many droughts, other impediments to owning this land, and it made things very difficult for Ira and, and his wife. In the 1920s, his property was still struggling to make a profit when Ira approached a man from the Transcontinental Oil Company to drill for oil where it was previously believed that there was none. Well, when drilling to 997 feet, that's like three baseball fields, 997 feet, more oil came out of the ground than could be contained. I mean, oil was coming out, and they could not just imagine just uncontained oil everywhere. I mean, the green people today would just have had a stroke. Well, the rest is history. Over 1.5 billion barrels. ...were extracted from the Yates Field since then... ...making the Yates Field one of the most profitable and oil-rich reservoirs that was, that was ever reserved... ...and Yates Petroleum Company was founded. Now the question is this... ...when did Ira Yates become a billionaire? Well, he became a billionaire when he bought the property... He just didn't know it yet. He had at his disposal, that which was his, was unspeakable wealth for that time and even for this time. And, and that is really true for each and every one of us who have gotten in the wheelbarrow, received the gift, said I do, surrendered to Christ's love for us. But possibly we have not, and more than likely none of us, have drilled deeply enough into the work of the Spirit in our lives to discover the vastless wealth that is ours in knowing the God who loved us with an everlasting love and died to prove it. And God has given us the Spirit to reveal ever increasingly more the wealth of Jesus and who he is. The one who gives true riches, true life, and true meaning. Now, I wonder how awkward was it for uh, Mr. Yates at first when he became a billionaire. <clears throat> he, You know, the guy was basically making it hand to mouth. He, And then suddenly he possessed all wealth. What did this man feel like when suddenly he who was basically a pauper owning land hardly able to make the taxes is suddenly the the recipient of amazing amazing wealth well you know we talked about last night that every discomfort zone is a former comfort zone that needs to become that we need to step out of to find more discomfort that becomes more comfortable that we grow and grow and grow in that and god wants us to grow more and more comfortable and yet Always amazed that we are called the children of God and such we are. We fit into God's kingdom by the work of the Holy Spirit. And all of those belonging benefits are ours in Christ. And life after having said yes to Christ becomes a constant discovery of the vastless wealth of knowing this father. So we looked at the story of the prodigal. It's really interesting that when this this sinning son of his comes home, what does God, what does this father do? He doesn't listen to his son's confession. He immediately, because of his vast love, knows the confession because the son has come. The son's not coming. He wasn't coming home for a loan. He knew this. I mean, could you imagine what this kid smelled like? Can you imagine? Um, I, I can't imagine. Um, but, and his father immediately embraces him. His father immediately tells the servants to get him the best robe. Put the, the ring on his finger, which is basically just giving him the checkbook back. Just layering on, upon him and lavishing upon him a love that his son did not deserve. But he was his son. And this is the prodigal father. That you and I have. If we are in Christ. And God. And life now is to discover. You know when, when Annette and I said I do. Some 43 plus years ago. 44 plus years ago. I had no idea. Of the woman that I had married and the vastness of love and giving and serving that I would be the recipient of. And the more we get to know this God, you you and I will find... It wasn't like... Remember, d- did I tell you guys the the, the the airplane analogy? Did I tell you guys that? I know I told our table that. Did I tell you guys that? Okay, I, 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 since Annabelle... If you guys... Y'all don't have to listen now. I'll tell Annabelle. So, Annabelle. Uh, <laughs> so, but, but here, here's the thing. And, and, and forgive me if I've, I've already told you this. But, and I, I think I told our table this, this story. But when you receive Christ, the, many of the things that, that cause us from, from, to hold back from really surrendering is, okay, well, what happens when I surrender? What, what am I going to have to do? What have I signed up for? Okay, and every one of us, goes through that what does this mean Uh, and there's that apprehension and and that oh no i don't want to find out um again comfort zone has become discomfort zone okay you're now entering maybe it feels like the twilight zone i'm not sure but um and so the the picture is i i i i get in the wheelbarrow i say i do i receive the gift i receive christ and it's this picture of going down the gangway Getting onto the plane, and here's Jesus standing there right when you get on the plane, and and he hugs you, says, Oh, you know, nice to have you here. And then immediately he takes you and he throws you into the cockpit and he says and he straps you and he says, You fly this thing and you better not screw up. You better not crash my plane. You better not make me look bad. Have I told you guys this story? That's kind of the picture we get. But let's just reverse. We say, yes, Lord, I want to I wanna get in the wheelbarrow. I want to say, I do. I receive the gift. I want to get on board, if you will. And we go down the gangway, and here's Jesus, and he embraces us with a love and an embrace that we have never in our lives felt such total, unconditional acceptance and warmth and love. And instead of taking us to the cockpit, Where God is my co pilot. He takes us into first class. He sits us in first class. He straps us in. He does not offer us a gin and tonic. He straps us in and he says, Son, daughter, I am so glad you have received me. Now I want you to sit here. Now I promise you, when we get off, when we get flying, We're going to hit some air pockets. There are going to be some turbulence like you cannot imagine. Life is going to get rocky. You're going to want to pull off your seatbelt, come through the cockpit door, take me out, and you're going to want to try to fly the plane. Don't do that. I will get you where I'm taking you. Trust me. Rest in me. You don't have to fly this thing because you can't fly this thing. You've got to trust me to do that. See, and so that hurdle that seems to be so high, it's the Spirit of God that takes us to the other side of that fear, that trepidation, that uncertainty, and then we find out, He's got me. He's got me from here to eternity. He's got me forever, and I rest in His capability i now begin to walk in his capability i begin to stand in his capability and that is life with a father's acceptance always in spite of us god wants us to know that satan does not want us to know that he wants us to continue to think you're going to have to live up to something you can't live up to you think you feel guilty now Ho oh, ho! you ain't seen how guilty you're going to feel If you don't live up to what you just did, please take that lie, package it, put it in some furnace somewhere and cremate it. Just destroy that lie because God will never love you or me more than he does now and it is impossible for him to love us less. He just can't and won't. And so, um. So it's 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 important for us to see that, and that God has given us what we need for life and for godliness. This is what now all this is, all these these scriptures are in your handout, so don't have to worry about looking up here, but you can. This is what Peter writes in his second letter to the churches. He's writing to those who were in Christ. I I just love this. Catch this. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Okay, so whatever pertains to life and godliness, the scripture says His divine power has granted those things to us. He's not saying that if you weren't a doctor, now you can be a doctor and do surgery. He's not saying that. But all of the things that that are necessary for an internal change, for the Holy Spirit to work eternal change. I can tell you what the Holy Spirit does, and I know that, that... you guys have, have uh, experienced this, and in a minute I'm going to shut up and I'm going to invite Annette to come and, and talk about uh, what, what God has done in, in, in her life, is that he brings about an internal change where if issues of anger or fear or anxiety or uh, whatever those addictions are, I mean, I, I would argue that some people are addicted to anger and some people are addicted to fear, some may be addicted to other vices, but they're addictions that are, abso- that are absorbed in our self-effort to protect ourselves. And so, uh, and so what he's given us, that in the midst of wherever we are, he's given us all we need for life and godliness. How? Through getting to know him, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence By which he has granted to us, you see. Do you see the verb tense here? Called us—that's past tense. Granted us—that's past tense. Um, Who? Where's that other one that I wanted to see here? Called us, granted us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world that is in Adam because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort, effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. How do you do that? Because his divine power has granted us all we need that pertains to life and godliness. And so now, Mr. Yates... Discover what you own. Okay, now discover the vast wealth that now is in you because you are in Christ to be able to do things that we naturally couldn't do. Now we make this effort because Christ is now in us and our strength to do this, to be virtuous and to be filled with knowledge and self-control and steadfastness and godliness and with brotherly affection and with brotherly affection love that's if you will that's the that's what comes up out of the ground okay you punched a hole in in west texas and what came out of the ground what was what made up the ground you punch a hole in you now in christ and this is what begins to come out of the ground naturally and So what, what I wanted to do I'm just going to take this short second I wanted to ask Net to come up, and I wanted Net, Net to sh- just share her story uh, with you, and so my girl is kind enough to do this when, when I ask her to, which I ask her every time to do that. Your love.
1: All right, well here we go. Um, I guess we can play a game here, and you can guess which brother I am. It won't take you long Um, I was my maiden name is levy. I was annette levy little Little gal seven years old when my dad walked out on uh, I have three sisters. So it was a house of five women uh, it was kind of crazy. I was the tomboy of the gang and very angry just uh, Extremely angry. I tried to kill my mom Stuck a knife at her and just was an angry child um, started doing drugs when I was 12, my little neighborhood. Um, and when I was uh, in eighth grade, Frank makes me tell this story. Uh, when I was in eighth grade, uh, I couldn't sit with my friends who bought lunch because I didn't buy lunch. And the anger was in me, and the nun was fussing at me, and I punched her in the face. So I got kicked out of St. Rita and spent uh, the next three semesters of eighth grade at Ridgewood <clears throat> Went on from Ridgewood to Dominican. Um, I would say, really, that even though I grew up in church, sort of, that I never really embraced it. I kind of just did whatever I wanted to do. And my mom worked full-time, so she wasn't paying attention. So I was a compulsive liar and a thief. I loved stealing clothes from stores. And um, I just kind of did whatever I wanted to do. I dated... uh, Oh, I don't know. I was 16. I was dating a 28-year-old, 29-year-old divorcee. So I date a lot of older people, just in bars a lot, and um, just kind of had a crazy lifestyle. Went off to LSU and sort of did that same kind of lifestyle. Frank shares, and not so truthful, but <laughs> sort of. Um, I went to the fraternity house, and that night Frank had a date with a girl that I went to 8th grade with at Ridgewood for three three quarters of the year. So it's great to see her. She introduced me to her date, Frank. And uh, that's nice. So, uh, you know, but we had a class across the hall from each other and he became really like the brother I never had. Every man in my life was a bad man. I just dated bad men. And my dad was a bad man in my view. So, um, uh, so Frank became the brother I never had. My mom called him faithful Frank. He'd do anything I asked. I didn't know that he was in love with me and that's why he would do anything. But he was a really, he was a nice guy. So, um, I dropped out of school cause I didn't know what I wanted to be. And, uh, I was dating a bar owner in Baton Rouge. Um, so within 24 hours I dropped out of school. Then I went to my boss to say I could work full time and he had to lay me off cause I didn't have enough work. So when my roommate got home, we went out and got drunk where I hit the, you can still see the dent today, I hit a tree going 45 miles an hour in my little Volkswagen Beetle at the south gates of LSU. Um, Went to the hospital, got my face sewn back together from going through the windshield. And then the next day in the mail came a note from my insurance company in New Hampshire, it's the only one who would insure me, and uh, they had gone defunct. So they weren't paying any claims, not knowing at all that the night before I had totaled my little car. So that was within twenty four hours, and you might say, like the prodigal, which if you hadn 't guessed by now, that was me, um, surely that was hitting bottom, but it wasn 't. I still moved back to New Orleans, Frank helped me move back home, just a faithful guy, and uh, started working in bars again down the quarter um, and i 'd come up on the weekends to see the guy I was dating who owned a bar up, up in Baton Rouge and So Frank invited me to go to church with him that one Sunday. And I was up there and I said, yeah, I'll go. So we closed the bar down. I just closed the bar down. I'm one of those people when everybody's going to church, I'm coming home from the bar. And, uh, so Frank came, picked me up and I went with him and I heard the most amazing news that if, uh, I'd been the only person on the planet, Jesus would have died just for me because that's how much he loved me. And that's how much, uh. He would have paid for my sins if I had been the only person in the world. And then he wanted to take control of my life. I didn't know anything that you guys are learning here. And so I just was like, I am making such... I'm 19. I'm making the biggest mess out of my life. I'm a drug addict. If you want this life, Lord, and you can change it, you can have it. And that's about how spiritual I was. I didn't go walk down an aisle, which they kind of encouraged you to do. That was definitely out of my comfort zone. But as uh, verse 17 said... I. In this passage we just read, I did come to my senses at that point, and I gave Christ control of my life. Woke up the next morning, which every morning I did a line of cocaine just to wake up, and I looked at my little vial, and I poured it in the toilet. And I was like, why did I do that? That's money. But uh, I just didn't want it anymore. And uh, there are a lot uh, of—my language changed right away every often, you know, all that changed. And uh, I don't know why, but I just—I stopped working in the clubs. That I was working in. And uh, Frank got me hooked up to a little Bible study with old people like they were in their 40s. And I went. I was, you know, I'm 19, but they were very nice people. And so uh, I got hooked up to this uptown Bible study here in New Orleans while he was still up at Baton Rouge. Um, I would say if you read Galatians 5, which I think Frank's going to talk about, that those were the fruit of things that began to change in my life. Not because I was a Christian now I had to change, but that... God was changing me from the inside out. I became nicer. The anger totally left me, totally left. I was such an angry person, and I I couldn't find that anger anymore. It was just amazing. Um, So we found this little church uptown, New Orleans, and um, it was kind of a kooky little church. So, uh, we went in there and it's just little, but everybody's raising their hands and singing very loudly. And, uh, wasn't what I was used to speaking of comfort zones. And then the minister said, um, what do you do if somebody walks up behind you and puts a gun in your back? And of course, everybody knows what you do. You, you raise your hands, say, I surrender, take anything you have that I have, you can have it. And he said, well, that's what raising your hands is about in church. He said, we're basically raising our hands and telling God you can have everything about me. And I thought, well, I can do that because that's how I feel. So that discomfort zone became comfortable and, you know, I kind of said, okay, I'll raise my hands. Uh, so, the, you know, I'm changing. Clearly I'm changing. Um, and it's sort of like this. somebody gave me this analogy and I thought it was really good. You know, when you go get your Christmas tree and you they cut it down and you bring it in the house, it has those little pine cones on it already because it's the sap and the fruit was being born and they stay on. Um, that's kind of what the fruit of the spirit is. These, this stuff was happening inside of me, like a new sap in my tree and I was growing pine cones and I was very excited. Um, but there was other stuff that the Holy spirit was doing. And there were people in the church that were, uh, like speaking in tongues and Saying things to people that the, I'm like, how do they know that? you know these were other things that in Frank's going to talk about again in first Corinthians twelve um, are gifts of the spirit, so that would be like placing ornaments on the tree to to make it beautiful from the outside to uh, adorn the tree and the gifts of the spirit were things that the Lord wants to give us not all the time, not like the inside growing from us, but just things he wants to give that are listed. Uh, and so I was like, yeah, I I want whatever God wants me to have. And so one of those was, uh, so I went forward at this little church to say, I'll take whatever you want. And of course, everybody started speaking in tongues and they were like, do you want that? And I was like, yeah, if God wants me to have it, sure. And, uh, so they prayed for me, nothing happened, but they told me that doesn't matter if something happens because, you know, you have this spirit in you and whenever he's ready, he can make that gift come out. So i was like, all right. So I went home and in my little apartment a couple of weeks later. Um, I was just sitting there praying and all of a sudden a language came out of me that was not mine. Again, very weird. Glad it was in my apartment. Although it really wouldn't have mattered because you can't, I couldn't help it kind of, but, um, and and so that's what the Bible talks about, having your own prayer language. And since then, I've really seen a lot of adorning, not only in my life, but in other people's, uh, this list in 1 Corinthians 12, um, where God supernaturally gives you something to be of benefit to someone else. So it went from being my change in my spirit, my life to letting God do things through me that will really affect change in other people's lives for, for him, not anything that's mine, but he gives and he gives for other people as well. Um, God supernaturally changed my heart from my best friend and that was a miracle too. We prayed and just if God wanted to change our relationship cause he was in love with me, but I kind of didn't feel that way about Frank. But I said, if God wants me to love you, I'm sure he can do that. One week later, Frank came in from LSU, we went to the zoo, and we're walking, I'm like, dang, he's good looking. (laughs) I never thought Frank was good looking, because I'm dating 40-year-old guys, you know, he's just a punk, and uh, so that was awesome, and so I said, I think I'm in love with you, and he's like, you don't mind if I watch this for a while, huh? So uh, that was in December, and we were engaged in February, and married in August, and so this journey that we've walked together, uh, Bearing good fruit from the inside and letting God do whatever he wanted to do on the outside of my life has just been an amazing journey and one I'm very grateful for. So, it's my story. Wow.
0: All of the story about how I met her at LSU is true. She was swinging from a chandelier. I don't care what she says. Um, but that, again, I, I appreciate her sharing that story. And I could, I could drape, I could, I could get Cliff Vogel up here and Bob Swanson up here. I could get any numbers of people up here to talk about how they were filled with the Spirit. We're talking about supernatural things, and supernatural things look weird in the midst of a natural world. They're supposed to look weird in the midst of a natural world, but they become so natural that to not experience God in supernatural ways, you're still feeling like, though I know I've got God, I know the Spirit is with me, I still feel like there's more. You know, it's like, it it, it could be like uh, a husband and wife who are estranged and they're not experiencing all this. They're married, but they're not experiencing the fullness of that intimacy. And and, and how we said, and I think I said last night, I do is just the beginning. It's just the beginning of not finding out all the weaknesses of our spouse like we think of, though it is that naturally, but as it pertains to God, finding that in us now as Christ is in us dwells All we need for life. We're discovering more and more of the riches of him and how accepted we are because of who he has now made us. We're accepted because we're in Christ. Not because we're perfect, but God has said, come on home, come on home. There's uh, just a a lesson in belonging and and, belonging. That you belong. I mean, that, that's something I think so many of us struggle with. Is belonging. A sense of really being acceptable and wanted. I think we, we struggle with that in different aspects. And if there's any place we would struggle with that, it would be in God has accepted me. God wants me. I mean, really, think about it. God wants me. He's just not enduring me. No, he wants us and he couldn't do anything more than he's done to prove it. And so he accepted. You think about, um, we know this is uh, President John Kennedy. Obviously, we know the story of John Kennedy. I remember being in Mrs. Mayfield's second grade class as she turned on the radio to tell us that the president had been assassinated. But I I remember, I mean, this, this man was the president of the United States, the most powerful man in the world. No question about that. But it didn't really matter to his son. Because little John John played around his dad's office in the Oval I couldn't get in the I mean, you think you could go get in the Oval Office today? And if you tried to get in the Oval Office, if you tried to force your way into the Oval Office... You would be in a square cell. That's where you would be. And that's but John felt totally comfortable in the office of the most powerful man in the world. Why? Because that's my dad. I, I don't need secret service to clear me. That's my dad. I have access to my dad all the time. Not because he's the President of the United States. Oh, by the way, he is. Not because he's the most powerful man in the world, but by the way, he is. He's my dad. And, and this picture should be a picture, an ever-increasingly aware picture that, as John John belonged before his dad, because of Christ, because we are now in Christ, we should be completely comfortable In a way, with the most powerful person, the Trinity, who created all things. Yes, in fear and trembling, but yet in great love and sense of belonging. John writes this, he says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. He just emphasizes it. You want to know what kind of love the Father's given you? Because of Christ, because of receiving Christ, you are now called a child of God. Once we were not, but now because of his grace and his drawing us, his coming, his like that prodigal father running to us to grab us, to embrace us, to hold us. Now we are the children of God. I wrote there in your notes, get used to being unconditionally loved and accepted. Get used to it. And yet never, ever, ever be comfortable with not being unconditionally accepted. Get used to it. And yet always amazed by that manner of love. So we talking about a new life, a new power to live, because there's a new inhabitant within. As Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, he's having his last moment with his, his disciples. And, and this is what he says to them. He says, disciples, you will receive power when the Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria. And to the ends of the earth, He says, "When the Spirit comes upon you, he says, "You will be my witnesses. You will receive power for you." And he says, power. "Now when God talks about power, he must be talking about power, but he's talking about a power that is so amazing that often it is invisible. It's a power that changes you and me. Like Nett was talking about a minute ago. I was constantly angry. And the power of God, like a nuclear weapon, blew apart that anger never to be seen. God did that. That power that gives joy where there is no sense of joy or hope where there's no, it's an amazing power. Now, I'm not saying that that power, and I will tell you of times, and I've told you you on, on Tuesday night when that power is seen. But this is a power that destroys the power of darkness in each of our lives. Lifts us, I mean, a power that, a power that raised you and me from the dead and gave us life. No other power could do that. No other person could do that an almighty, all-holy God was looking for and at the same time drawing each and every one of us to experience that death-defying power to give us life in Him. And then, and as it says, you'll receive power when the Spirit has come upon you. Even more than that happens. This is what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. He says, He says, if you're in Christ, don't you know that your body... Is where God lives. You're the temple of the Spirit who's within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. You know the price that was paid for you, don't you? Remember the value that God placed on you and me, the worth that God says, you are worth to me, you are worth to me the life of my son. That's what your worth is to God. I don't know what your worth is to anybody else. But your worth to God is, Billy, you know what you are, what your value is to me? My son. That's the value I place on you, Mike, Pam. That's the value I place on you, BJ artist. That's the, play, the value that I place on you is the life of my son. I mean, get that. Let's try to call through all this religious vagary and understand. God says, I I will be with you. He gives us the spirit to be with us and in us to give us a new life. I've bought you with a price so that you will glorify me in your body. What's that glory look like? It looks like some things we'll talk about in just a minute. But a change of attitude and a change of actions that you're not grunting to try to make happen. Something happened. A drug addiction goes away absorbent exorbitant fears disappear addictions they may go away immediately but and in some cases god says no we're going to deal with that slowly some things are immediate but some things he just deals with because he wants us not to be looking for him for a fix he wants us to trust him as a father not looking for uh, fix and then paul writes to the church at ephesus this is in your your notes as well and, th- and this is a prayer that i i, I actually it's i'm not I, I memorize this this prayer and i pray this prayer over our kids virtually every night that they were in the house i prayed this over them and this is a prayer i would encourage you to to hold on to and to pray it says i keep asking that the god of our lord jesus christ the glorious father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? why? Why does Paul ask that the manifestation of God's spirit that is in them, of wisdom and revelation, would, would be theirs? Why? So that you may know him better. All of life now is about, making, about knowing him. And the more I know him, guess what happens? The more I want to make him known. The more I want to tell people about, you know what happened to me. He says, I pray the eyes of your heart, eyes of your heart. That's kind of an interesting. I didn't know my heart had eyes, but the eyes of my heart, my internal eyes may be enlightened so that I may know the hope to which he has called me. God's plan for my life, the riches of his glorious inheritance. Remember, we talk about that inheritance in the prodigal that 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 son in Adam wanted. Just something now. God says, I've got an inheritance for you that is more than you can imagine. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, in those who are in Christ. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. You know what that power is like? That power is the same as the mighty strength that God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Can the Holy Spirit fill me? Does the Holy Spirit fill me? How can he, what does he desire to do in and through me? How will I be that vessel where I get to know him more? And the the more he drills down into me and the more I open myself to him, the more comes out. The more life comes out of me. Jesus lived in the power of the Spirit and it's our only way as well remember when Jesus came he set aside all of his his uh, attributes all of his all of his might all of his will he set all of that apart and he came as a man he set those and he lived in the power of the Holy Spirit he lived in dependence on the Holy Spirit uh, when Jesus was baptized right after John baptized him this is what this is what Luke records. And Jesus, right after he was baptized, being filled with the Holy Spirit, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. The Spirit of God worked in Jesus and brought him into the wilderness. And there was a temptation so that Jesus would see and experience and you and I would have recorded to us how the enemy's temptations are overcome by the power of the Spirit. He was filled with the Spirit, and he was led by the Spirit for 40 days. And so that in the power of the Spirit, in the midst of the temptation, Jesus would show us how you and I overcome in the power of the Spirit. And I want you to look in your book, if you would, there. I've I've, I've written some things here that, again, I hope will encourage you as to what the Spirit of God does and desires to do through each of them. He says, I wrote here, he resisted the devil by the power of the Spirit. He served God by the power of the Spirit. He received wisdom by the power of the Spirit. He ministered to people's needs by the power of the Spirit. He cast out demons by the power of the Spirit. He fed thousands by the power of the Spirit. He raised the dead by the power of the Spirit. He loved all the way to death by the power of the Spirit. All of those things that Christ did, He did, submitted to the power of the Spirit as a man, setting aside all of His godly attributes so that we can see and realize more and more that in the power of the Spirit, God desires to do those things through us as well as we are filled with the Spirit. This is what Paul writes to the Ephesians here. He says, "He says, don't get drunk with wine. Now, so before any of you go, oh, I guess I can't drink anymore. Um, no, he's saying don't be controlled by it. Enjoy it. If that's what you enjoy. Don't be controlled by it. Okay, that word. We think of the word drunk, and we, you know, we we think, you know, something where I can't stand up straight. It's he's saying, don't be controlled by wine. Don't be controlled by work. Don't be controlled by being a people pleaser. Don't be controlled by anything. Don't be controlled by your 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 crazy desires to be to be healthy. To try to never die. Don't be controlled by Any of those things. That's debauchery. But, he says, be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled by the Spirit. And address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. What he's saying here is the more you are filled with me, the more you desire me. The more you desire me, the more you desire me. And the more you desire me the more you desire me and the more you desire me the more what happens is as God drills down it's coming up the wealth of who Christ is pours into those around us if you're here because you've been invited here by a friend or whatever it's because the love of God that has been poured out into their hearts is poured out of them Onto you and says, "I want you to experience the God who has unconditionally accepted me. I want you to know that. I want you to see that. And so it's that love. Not okay. Now, um, you know, it's 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 October now. It's going to be November, and you belong in this church. I don't see where you invite enough people to Alpha, so you better get on this. You know what I mean, come on, let's let's do this. No, it's it's the love of God that." That, des- that draws us, that makes us desire more and more to experience Him. That's what He does. And the Holy Spirit, I've written on our notes here, gives us the character of Christ. And it's called the fruit of the Spirit. Paul writes here to the church at Galatia. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against against such things there is no law. So he's basically saying here, it's interesting, he says the fruit of the Spirit. He doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit, he says the fruit. It's a singular word. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And I think we could say this, the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, manifests itself, looks like. What's that look like? Well, it looks like joy. It looks like peace. It looks like patience. It looks like kindness and goodness and faithfulness. It looks like all those things. It, it looks like gentleness. It looks like self-control. And against such things, there's no law. In other words, what he's saying here, against these things, there is no restriction. There is no place where it says, ah, except for here. You can't love here. There's a law here. There's a warning here that says, do not love here. No, against this, there is no law. There is no restriction. There is nothing that says, nope, not here. Can't do that. There is no exception. There is no place that love cannot be poured out of us. See, that's power. This is power. In today's world, more, maybe more than you and I have ever seen in our lifetimes, the power of love is the power of God that He desires to show Himself through us. Now that I am in Christ... The fruit of the Spirit comes out of the God who is love. And the God who is love is joy. The God who is love is patience. The God who is love is peace and kindness and goodness and gentleness. That's who the God of love is. And this God now lives in me and has made himself one with you and one with me. And the transformation is amazing. And so that's of power that we're talking about. I mean, who wouldn't want to experience the very character of Christ living through us? There is peace that is beyond understanding. Paul writes when he writes to the Philippians, he prays that the peace of God, the peace of God, not the peace of your circumstance, Frank, the peace of God, that does this, surpasses comprehension. In other words, it's more than you can in your natural mind imagine. The peace of God that surpasses. Why should I be peaceful right now? I would typically want to wring that idiot's neck. And I don't want to. The peace of God that surpasses comprehension will do this. Paul writes, it will guard your heart, your emotions. So guard your heart. And guard your mind, your thinking, where? In Christ Jesus. This is what all, at the very first verse this morning, he'll give you all you need for life and godliness, is what he does. And then what happens is the more we know him, the more we look like him. Some things, like Ned talked about the drug addiction. She wakes up the next morning, what happens? It's what she's done for, how long did you do that? couple of years, you said? Okay, couple of years, she's doing that. She just mindlessly does it. She wakes up. She goes to the vial. She lays out the line. I guess I've never done this before. I've never seen anybody do it. Um, and, and that's what she does. And she wakes up. That's how she wakes up. Um, then she, she says, Jesus, you want this? I'm making a mess of it. You want this? You got this. And the next morning, she wakes up. And she doesn't want to do that. Not only does she not want to do that, she takes, I don't know how much that thing was worth. I have no idea. But pops it and, somebody explain that to me. I'm sorry. I, I would need more faith to believe that just, eh, it had run its course. I, I, I don't have faith to believe that. It takes more faith to believe that was just some, eh, coincidence. Just so happened. No, this is the power of God. This is the power of God, and what you will experience if if you are in Christ is you will experience the Lord saying. So, um, Jesus knocks on the door of your life. Okay, we we I think um, Nikki, we talked about this. How uh, we talked about this last night? Jesus knocks on the door of your life, and uh, did we talk about if this before? Where somebody. If somebody knocks on your door on a Saturday morning, except for this morning, okay? Somebody knocks on your door Saturday morning, it's, it's 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning, knocks on the door, and, uh, or rings the doorbell, uh, you can do a couple of different things, can't you? You can uh, open the door and welcome them in. Or, if you want nothing to do with them, you can do a couple other things. You can tell them, what the heck are you doing knocking on my door at any time, much less this time, go away. Or, you can be very, very quiet and hope they just go away. Now, you can reject either actively by saying, go away, or you can reject very passively. But it's both rejection, is it not? Well, what if we let him in, and several of you have let him in. And so he's in your house, and it's a mess. You didn't wait, Dennis. You didn't wait to get everything just right. That's what we want to do. Well, well wait. Uh, Jesus is here. Hurry. You know, clean up that. Stuff everything in that closet. Just do whatever you can. Do not let him see the house like it is. I mean, we, we, we do that with people. But you let him in, and he says, uh, Hey, would you mind if I... Looked at what's in your closet? (laughs) This closet? Yeah, that closet. Well, what do you want to do with it? I'd like to clean it out for you. Will you let me? See, what the power of the Spirit of God is that these little areas, these attics, these You know, the spot where you hide your thousand bucks in a little safe, which if you want to share with me me where that is, uh, um, those those areas that we think are hidden, God knows exactly where they are. And he loves us so much to say, hey, let's let's go down in the basement. Hey, let's let's go in the back room. Why? Because he wants us to show he wants to show us how much more valuable he is than any of those things. See, I'm I continue to be filled with the Spirit, filled with the treasure of who Christ is when I open the door and say, okay. And just say, or and what ends up happening, I'm telling you this is what happens in your life. Before you can before he even gets there, you're saying, Jesus, would you would you take care of this? I want to show you this. Now, of course, he already knows. And, but like a, like a good dad, he'll say, oh, really? I wasn't aware of that. Um, and he begins to take and he begins to clean up every area of our heart. He comes in realizing there's more to be done. But he doesn't hold back one bit. And when you screw up, instead of him saying, oh, if I'd only known you were going to do that what is, let's just say um, you set your house on fire, okay? It's just, I mean, I don't know why you do that unless it's a lousy house and you got a lot of insurance and you think you can get away with it. But what's the fireman going to do? Is the fireman going to, as your house burned down, going to say, okay, well, Lloyd, uh, let me just ask you a few questions before I uh, put out your fire here. Uh, Did you set that yourself? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Um, How? Were you, were you good to, were you, how, what kind of husband have you been? Is he going to sit there and go through some of this, before I put out the fire in your house, I'm going to make sure you deserve to have me put the fire out in your house. Or is the fireman going to say, oh, a fire, Let, let's go in the other direction, let's get away from that. A fireman puts out fires, that's why he's called a fireman or a fire person if you prefer. And what Jesus does when there's a fire going on in our house, he's already there. But he is there to put the fire out. If I am struggling with, still I'm in Christ, but struggling with other issues, the power of God's spirit in me is to put that fire out. He never, ever runs from our fires. Matter of fact, he rescued us from an eternal one and he will continue to rescue us from those temporary ones that were in Christ. I mean, this is what the Spirit of God does and he wants you and me to experience the power of his unconditional love in ways that are beyond what you and I can imagine. Certainly beyond our capacity, naturally, to love. He wants us to Know that. And so this this power of God that's manifest in love that is beyond our natural ability to understand and looks like joy and peace and patience and all those other things is just an ever-increasing awareness of the reservoir, to use Mr. Yates' oil analogy, the reservoir of the power of God in each and every one of us. And so there's what's called the fruit. This is called the fruit of the Spirit. It's really, it's just the character of Christ. But the Spirit also comes and he gives gifts. And this is in your booklet. It's not, uh, it was just too much to type into a PowerPoint. um, But look what it says here. This is Paul's letter to the Corinthians. He says, there's a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service. But the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities. But it is the same God who empowers them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. For the common good. For one another's good. So just look at me for a moment here. So what he's saying here is this. Just like in a business business. There are different people with different gifts. You got the advertising department, maybe. You got operations. You got engineering. You got accounting. You got IT. You've got maintenance. You got all these things. It's one corporation with different gifts. When you think about the body of Christ, now, typically when we think of the body of Christ in in our our Catholic tradition, we typically think of a wafer. We think of the body of Christ. When the Bible talks about the body of Christ, and by the way, Tuesday night uh, when we have graduation, our topic is going to be, basically, what do I do with the rest of my life? Where do I go from here? And I'm so excited to see so many of you signed up for beta. I think you're going to love that. Um, but, but we're going to talk about what is the church? I know I grew up in a tradition of church. What does the Bible say about that? I think that's one stereotype that we get really uh, acc- uh, maybe accustomed to or just casual with. I was amazed when I started reading the Bible and seeing what the Bible calls church. I think you're going to really, really enjoy that because it's, there's so much connection in what, the, what what God calls the church. So he says there's lots of gifts, but the Spirit gives all of those different gifts. One Spirit who, if you will, just maybe like a, a hub of, a, of a, a wheel and the spokes that come out of that one Hub are the, the varieties of gifts and their services. Same Lord. Lots of activities. It's the same God who empowers them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation. Now, what's a manifestation? The manifestation is an activity. It's a presentation of the Spirit for everybody's good. For to one, here's one of the things that the Spirit does. He gives an utterance or a gift of wisdom, an utterance of knowledge. This is meaning that where there is wisdom needed that is beyond natural wisdom, the Spirit of God gives wisdom to experience that, or a word of knowledge where there is ignorance and knowledge is needed. The Spirit of God gives that through us. I mean, I was, you know, we were talking at our table a minute ago. My brother was talking about just the. Just a sense that he had about our stepfather who wasn't supposed to be back for weeks. Suddenly, he has a sense that I think he's going to be just showing up any minute now. We had no idea. And he just shows up. And I mean, those are kind of things, I think, just kind of dots of evidence that God gives us. I'm I'm working here. Hey, remember, pay attention. I'm working all around you here. And those things kind of come back to mind. And you go, whoa, was that God? And so wisdom, insight. Knowledge that you, that you just naturally don't have. Um, faith. I mean, we could go through these, I'm sure, at your tables, and you could, and I could say, okay, somebody give me an example of when the Spirit of God gave you, gave you wisdom, gave you knowledge that you did not have. Um, uh, to another, the gift of faith by the same Spirit. To believe when there just seems to be no hope. That is a work of God's Spirit. So many times I've experienced that gift of faith, where it just didn't make any sense to have faith for that. To another, gifts of healings by one spirit. I, I, and I, I, I think I gave you guys some examples of, of healings that took place. You know, healings from PTSD. Healings from the inability to have a child. We talked about that. Uh, healings from uh, allergies. I was beset by allergies. And just got so angry i mean i had to deal with my anger and my allergies all i had to do it i was AA, I guess angers and allergies um and just i'm driving i I hope you guys don't mind i tell these stories but um i'm just driving and i'm so i really i'm i'm in the car just it's it's march i guess you know and i i just played golf i do not play golf so don't invite me but um I just played golf because it was, it was the day before um, a wedding that I was standing in. And I got home from, the, from the playing golf. And the wife of uh, one of the guys I was playing golf with, she said, Frank, what's happened to your face? I said, well, it's the same face I've always had. I'm not sure what you mean. But there was just pollen had gone in my eyes and it just dried onto the side of my face. It's like, oh, this is embarrassing. Um, But just sneezing and sneezing and sneezing, and so the next day, where I'm bringing chairs to the reception, and I'm having it out with God. I mean, what he endures? It's like I can't understand why I should have to deal with this. (laughs) Just, Um, but that's what I did, And, and and all of a sudden. I I can't explain this to you. This is supernatural stuff. This word of knowledge comes to me and he says, thank me for your allergies. Oh, sure. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot. In a way I cannot explain to you, I began to thank him for my allergies. And something came over me that I cannot explain to you. It was like somebody turned on a faucet. I mean, I felt like I had a faucet turned on, coming out of my nose and everywhere. But just washed it out of me. And I've never, to this day, had an issue with allergies. Just a coincidence, I guess. I can't explain it any other way. And there have been people that we have prayed for with cancer. And they died. But they really got healed because they were in Christ. And the gift there of faith to trust God even when the healing doesn't come is knowing that if the healing doesn't come now, I know the healing's coming. So many examples of this. I mean, that's just one, you know, of my being diagnosed with prostate cancer in 2012 and they can't find it today. Um, I don't know why, except I do know why. But I don't know why God would do that for me. But what is that compared to what he did? To forgive me of all of my sins for all time and secure for me a place with him forever in heaven. And so he gives wisdom and knowledge and faith and healings. Uh, the working of miracles. Uh, I've got to be careful here. Um, to another prophecy, the ability to see things that are going to happen. <laughs> to another, the ability to d- to discern or distinguish spirits. Is that God or is that evil? What I- what is that? The ability to discern those things. Uh, to another, it's this is you know this this tongues thing. Seems so weird, just seems so weird. But if you think about it, what is the most unruly part of us? (laughs) That thing right there, that thing. So when I think about that, how interesting, or I don't even know what word to use, how interesting would it be that God would say, I want your tongue I want you to sound like a little child. You're going to sound like a little babbling child. But that faith to sound like a babbling child with that gift I give you is a language that speaks to me purely from your spirit. And then even when it's used in a a public setting, God then works through the spirit to give an understanding of what that tongue is. It's not like somebody can translate Spanish or French. But it's, it's that, in a way, that type of thing. The interpretation of that communication. And he says here, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. And so we... Paul goes on to write in the 14th chapter... Hey, earnestly desire these spiritual gifts. But before that, he says in the 13th chapter, which maybe those of you, um, if, you if you've been to a wedding, you've heard 1 Corinthians 13. Love is, right? The, the love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not keep a record of wrongs suffered. Love never fails. You've heard all those things, which nobody does at. It just sounds great at a wedding. Um, but he goes through that, and then Paul writes, now, now remains these three, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Now now hear me here. The greatest of these is love. Now God is love, and God fills him, us with himself. Don't you know that your body now, Frank, in you, lives the spirit of God. He is now in you. You are now alive because of his life. And now you are loved because of his love. He says, now abides these three. Faith, need faith. His faith is a gift that he gives me even. Hope, he gives me hope. And love, he is the love that he gives me. So now abides these three. Faith, hope, love. The greatest of these is love. And then the very next verse is this. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Especially that you would prophesy. Especially that you would be able to tell of the power and the love of God. Right after he says, desire love, he then says, earnestly desire the gifts that we just talked about. Why? Because those gifts are a manifestation of that love. I've, Jesus says, you freely received Christ, now freely give Christ. By the Holy Spirit is what he is telling us. there is more and more and more to him and and this is what we we have the opportunity to do now last night um, some of you weren 't here last night, um, but last night we went through you know i don 't know if you where, you know where you are if you 're curious convinced, or committed you've you 've gotten on board the airplane and you 're And you've allowed Jesus to sit you in first class and you've given up on the lie that says, now now I have to try to be a good person now that I'm in Christ. Um, In in your booklet, right smack dab in the middle of the booklet where it opens up, uh, I just, for those of you guys who were here last night, just endure me for a moment. This says tonight, October 28th, but it is now today, October 29th. This is just an opportunity to declare your desire to accept and receive the gift that God has been extending. And it was a joy last night. Can I tell you, you don't know the joy of seeing so many of you sign that little declaration and then desire to have other people witness it as well, and soon you'll have a wheelbarrow to go with that too. So, but this is what it says. He says, "I declare." I mean, this is the this is the this is how how the Spirit fills us is by being born of God. He said, "So just cross out tonight, October twenty nine, at whatever time it is. I declare the surrender of my life and the confession of my need for Jesus." Christ to be my Lord and Savior I believe that apart from Christ I'm in Adam I'm in my sins because I am in Adam and that the only life and work that will rescue me from eternal separation from God is that of Jesus he alone is my means of overcoming joy in this life in relationship with him and eternal joy with him forever in the next thank you God For saving me. And I would just encourage you again, if that is your desire, there's, there's nothing magical about this here. It's just something though, if that's the desire of your heart and you've not done that, sign it. Tear this page out, put it in your wallet, take a magnet and put it on your refrigerator, tape it to the mirror in your bathroom. Put it in your car. Just knowing and reminding yourself of God's amazing love to draw us to Himself. And so, I just want—I want to do this. I want us to take just a moment to pray, um, and I want to give you the opportunity. You want to be filled with God's Spirit even more. Experience what you've already received. Experience Him, or just open yourself to say, Lord, last, maybe last night was the beginning for me, but I want to go deeper. I want to know, Paul writes about how, how long, how high and wide and long and deep is the love of God, to know Him in that way. Um... So I, I, maybe you're saying, you know, Frank, I, I want to be open to these gifts that we've just talked about. Uh, or I need healing in my own body. I'd like someone to pray for me for healing to see if God would heal me. I need, I need wisdom from God for a particular situation that I'm in in my, in my life. Uh, I, I, I just don't know. I'm confused. I need to discern. There feels like this this darkness is around me and I, I want to be delivered from that darkness. I need the ability to be able to discern those spirits and I need I need faith that God will deliver me. I mean wherever as I'm saying those things, I'm ho- I'm hoping and I'm trusting that those specific things that we're talking about are things that are coming into your mind right now and if they're coming into your mind right now, I trust it's because God is coming is bringing those things into your mind and say, "Hey, okay. Put down the pride. Pick up the humility. And let people pray for you. Put down the pride. Pick up the humility. And pray for someone else. You talk about getting out of a comfort zone. Uh, this, this is that opportunity as well. So um, if, if you have that need this morning. And I know every one of us could raise our hands. I, I could say, hey, yeah, right here. Um, let's take advantage of this moment. Let's not let fear inhibit our greater desire to allow God's Spirit to punch a deeper hole in us so we experience more and more of the riches of His life and His grace in us. And so I'm going to pray, and and if, if... if you'd like for us to pray for you in any way this morning, I, you've got a sick cat. We will pray. I, I was about to say, we'll pray for the death of your sick cat. No, um, if you have, a, if, if you have, again, it, I, my apology to, to cat lovers. I truly apologize. I, I, I grew up with cats. My brother can attest to that. We love cats. Um. But whatever it is, so I'm saying not that that's a small thing, but whatever that may be. If it's for someone in your life that you know is hurting, let, we'll pray for them. But let's just say, okay, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to let you take me deeper. I'm going to trust you right now. And here's the thing. Everyone is for you. Okay? There's no masks. Okay? You just be you. And everyone in this room loves you. Everybody in this room desires for you to experience the God that we have experienced. And so I'm just gonna pray for a moment. If you want prayer, just say here I am. Again, do that. Break through whatever fear that is. It may be, you know, Frank, I I, I want to know Christ. I'm still holding out. I don't know why I'm holding out, or I don't want to hold out any longer. Today is the day. I'm going to write today, October 29 at 1129 a.m. I I want a wheelbarrow. And God will do that very thing. So let me pray. And then I'll ask you to respond and let these folks in this room who love you and desire for your growth, just like people that came before them desired for their growth, in knowing Christ, to experience him. Father, thank you for um, last night. Thank you for this morning. Thank you that, Lord, again, you are the initiator of all of this, Lord. You have put this love in our hearts that cause us to long for others, to know you and experience you and to be filled with the Spirit over and over and over again. Lord, you invite us to be filled and filled and filled and filled ever increasingly. And so, Lord, we just pray, Father, your Spirit to bring to us right now. I believe you've already done that ways in which we need prayer. And that, Lord, we will be bold enough with a bunch of folks that love us to say, would you pray with me in this way?